Reconstructionist Radio presents The War Room, where we discuss tactics for strategic Christian living. What's up, family of God? Hey, if you have not seen anything that is really funny in in the last week or so, uh, go on my feed and see the video that Wyatt Graves posted roasting, roasting your boy Joe Salant like some fresh roasted beans. Uh, Wyatt Graves, man, he he's uh, that is a funny cat right there. And a righteous young warrior, man. I mean, talk about somebody that is holding the ethical judicial line. Shout out to my man, Wyatt Graves. And uh, this one, uh, this this uh, episode of The War Room, this special presentation of The War Room called Defy All Tyrants is, uh, is dedicated to you, young man. This one's for you. Wyatt Graves is going to be one of the participating hosts of the upcoming X-Wing podcast. And so we're announcing that right here uh, on this special presentation of the War Room for y'all on this lovely Sunday night. Uh, Wyatt has agreed to do an episode here and there of the X-Wing, which is uh, the tagline is not right wing, not left wing, but X-Wing. And that is going to be launching uh, on 9-11, 9 <laughs> 2018. We chose the drama date. And uh, we're going to be giving y'all materials to help feed, uh, to help seed social media feeds with that X-Wing message. And uh, that will be coming up soon. So props to you, Wyatt. Check out the Wyatt Roasting Joe Salant video on, the, on uh, he tagged me on the Facebook thing, man. It's, 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 uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, okay, so this message is uh, titled Defy All Tyrants. And it's a, a play on the call Defy Tyrants, which is a very popular in the abolitionist movement uh, today. And it's true, we ought to defy tyrants and unrighteous authority, but we ought to be defying them in every single sphere of life. Starting with a thought, recognizing the high places, the high places of pagan worship, were not the way that Yahweh wanted to be worshipped. Some kings, like Hezekiah and Josiah, tore them down. Uh, others, uh, though they were called righteous, never tear them down, like Jehoshaphat and uh, Jehoash and Azariah and Jothan. You know, sometimes this was due to ignorance, as in the case with Josiah, but in most cases it was flagrant disobedience. Either way, it led to the judgment and the firefall of the Assyrians uh, in uh, the 700 B.C.s and the uh, Babylonians in 586. Either way, it led to the firefall. We have to tear down the idols in every single high place. We must abolish the worldview that's responsible for abortion. If we are really to abolish human sacrifice in every sphere of life that it sits, we must abolish it. Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord, and false scales are not good. Proverbs twenty twenty three. 
Another way to phrase this is that the Lord hates a double standard. In any sphere of existence, he will not give us the victory. He will not give us Canaan. He will, we will wander in the wilderness of obscurity if we refuse to confront our double standards. I mean, we can say to him, for example, that unrighteous civil government has no authority, that the Supreme Court cannot make laws, that the minute the civil government flaunts God's law, and it's to be defied. The minute it flaunts God's law, it's, it's to be defied. And we demand the draining of the swamp, that we should ignore all tyrannical decrees of the federal beast. However, unless this standard is applied to every single sphere of government, including church government and family government and even self-government, we will be nothing but a clanging cymbal and a noisy gong as we march for another 40 years in the wilderness of humanism, unwittingly participating in human sacrifice along the way. And we can yell, no king but Jesus, through a bullhorn on the steps of the Supreme Court in the heart of the federal beast. But unless we're willing to point that bullhorn at the pulpits and the abusive husbands, we're just making noise. Unless we're willing to say that ethics, that the ethical judicial line is the only basis for authority in any sphere of life, we might as well let the beast have his authority based on his ontology. Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord. And false scales, they're not good. They're not good. Not only are the double standards an abomination to the Lord, they are faulty foundations that cannot hold any weight. They eventually collapse. Someone who goes around saying that authority is based on physical and metaphysical characteristics at the same time eventually either repents and admits that all authority is never based on physical traits, ontology, and is only ethical in essence, or they slide all the way down into the pit of power and admit that all authority is ontologically based after all. You simply cannot have it both ways. In a recent Facebook post denouncing Bojidar Marinoff, John Reasoner, Jason Sanchez, Joel McDermott, and myself as heretics in the area of biblical views on authority, recent Senate candidate for uh, recent candidate for state Senate in, in Idaho and a self-declared abolitionist of human, abor of human abortion, Scott Herndon flat out stated his view that ungodly civil authority, uh, civil government still has authority. This is what he said. He said that that is the classic biblical position that ungodly civil government still has authority. This is a defy tyrant's proponent that says this. this is the same person who uses the same mouth on the campaign trail to push the message that we ought to defy the civil government because it has abrogated its authority through ethical violations, that the states ought to ignore Roe and establish justice for the preborn based on the law of God. It's a good message, right? I mean, you know, uh, what would force a man with a message like this to so blatantly and a matter-of-factly contradict his own stand for the preborn against the federal beast that they're sacrificed to by abortion? The fact that he has a tyrannical view of family government is what made him do it. He's a patriarchalist trying to slap the label biblical in front of his power view on family government, which basically asserts that if you have the correct physical equipment in the pants and you are in the right position on the family tree, you have authority. You see it in the context of his whole quote. Here's what he says. Ungodly civil government and ungodly fathers still have authority. There you have it. There you have it. And you can't have it both ways. If a father's authority is based on his ontology, then the civil government's authority is based on its ontology. And there goes the defy tyrant's message. It's, uh, it's swirling right down the crapper. 
So easy to shout about defying the federal tyrant. We all like to drain the swamp. That's a popular message. It even got Trump elected. You know, it's not so easy to talk about defying the family tyrant, though. Federal tyrant? Yes. Family tyrant? That'll get you kicked out of the complex. That's a very unpopular message. However, as we have seen with countless recent examples that the Spirit has brought to our attention, the one shouting about defy tyrants is often the first tyrant that must be defied in another sphere of life. You simply can't be a power religionist in one sphere of life and demand ethical religion in another. The power submission paradigm will eventually lead to compromise. The power religionist in the church will eventually cede power religion in the state, and so on and so forth. They can scream about defied tyrants for decades, and eventually they will cede, that, cede to that very tyrant his unrighteous authority because he wants the same for himself. He is the first tyrant that must be defied. Tyranny begins in the home and in the church, not at the Supreme Court. White House and other idols of executive government we want to shake the fist at? Check this out. True biblical hierarchy is man over creation, not men over other men. Justice is an ethical judicial concept, and the fool is the one with slogans like, the time for justice is now, while from the other side of the mouth admitting that the time for justice is really later by concessions to power religion of ontological authority. Straight up, justice only happens with the full orb exercise of the true religion of ethics in every single sphere of life. Demanding ethics religion for pre-born babies and then denying it to the mothers is exactly what the pro-abortion humanists accuse us of doing. Satan is, as they say, we're pro-birth. We're not pro-life. You know, I mean, we're not pro-life either. We're abolitionists, but you get the point. You know, Satan is fine as long as we're advocating human sacrifice in another sphere of life because he knows our call to end human sacrifice elsewhere will be void of the power of God to affect real abolition of human sacrifice in the culture. Attacking one of the high places of human sacrifice while building altars on the other places of human sacrifice is an abomination. It is a total, it is a total abomination. A double-minded man that is unstable in all of his ways and unequal weights are detestable to the Lord. The land will not be taken for King Jesus that way. Abolitionism, on the other hand, in its pure form, is delivering man from the dominion of man. It is religion of ethics over religion of power. Abolition of human abortion will not be accomplished by abolitionists who are otherwise practitioners of human sacrifice or power religion. And even if it were merely replaced, even if it were, look, okay, let's say it this way. Even if abolitionists who are power religionists were able to abolish abortion, it would simply be merely replaced by another power system of human sacrifice, perhaps even more subtle, ingrained and unjust as the previous Holocaust was. Today, they talk about the fact that, you know, uh, on, on the, we have a uh, we have a quad fold as abolitionists that say that uh, that says that they never thought that chattel slavery would be abolished, as if chattel slavery has been abolished. Black chattel slavery, tell you the truth, has not been abolished. Look at the prison industrial complex; it has merely been shifted. There is still Moloch sacrifice going on in the area of chattel slavery when you look through it with biblical glasses. Straight up. So look, if abolition is not a comprehensive ideology. If it is not full-orbed to every single sphere of life, it is not true abolition. It is merely another humanistic pruning of the evil tree of human sacrifice, another delivering of man into the dominion of man. 
let's look at this another way. Look, I used to be an I used to be a professional pro-life activist and spokesperson in the ministry industrial complex. You know, thinking that I was fighting humanism and the human sacrifice of the abortion holocaust by what I was doing as a cog in the pro-life movement. Fighting for leg- legislation that regulated when, where, how and by whom preborn babies could be murdered by abortion. I thought that trying to make rules for society that prevented the killing of babies based on certain physical characteristics, such as their ability to feel pain or their development of a heartbeat and so on and so forth, would be a legitimate way of stopping the slaughter. I thought focusing on making it harder to obtain the correct government credential to legally murder preborn babies was the way to go. This was when This was until I realized through repentance and serious reevaluation of my truncated Christian worldview, aided by the content of the modern abolitionist movement, that such attempts to regulate the abortion holocaust while having an appearance of godliness are completely void of the power to establish justice because they are humanistic in and of themselves. They are satanic in the way that they use humanism as the base to destroy humanism. They use Satan to cast out Satan, and it just simply does not work like that. You cannot regulate abortion. You must abolish abortion. You cannot regulate human sacrifice. You must abolish human sacrifice. Abortion is human sacrifice. So when I realized how double-minded I was in using humanism to cast out humanism and validating lawlessness to establish the law of God in my futile fight, it was at that point in time that I repented. So if it was legal to murder any baby, it's legal to murder all the babies. The reason why it's unlawful in God's eyes to murder babies is because babies are created in his image. Trying to establish the law of God for the babies based on any other reasoning, any ontological factors of development along the way is a violation of the image of God and will not bring true justice. It cannot be illegal to murder babies because they are created in the image of God and and illegal to murder babies because they're 20 weeks old at the same time. You teach the culture one or you teach the culture the other. You cannot serve God and Moloch. Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord and false scales are not good. So in my situation, I repented you know, by the grace of God of participating in the situational ethics of regulating child sacrifice and began to call for the complete abolition of human abortion based on delivering weaker men, the babies in this case, from the dominion of stronger men, all humans wanting to sacrifice the weaker men, and based on that alone. However, from the first moment of this illumination, repentance and conversion, I grasped the fact that such abolition must cover every single area of life, or it was simply another form of picking and choosing and regulating evil. Also, look, this is a Facebook Live War Room presentation. The message is called Defy All Tyrants. In this setting, we do have the ability to make comments. I can't address the comments because I have a lot of content to go. So I see you, Darren. Uh, I got a lot of content to go still. If somebody wants to engage those comments, they're cool. Otherwise, I'll get to them later. So appreciate you all for that. Anyway, I grasp the fact that such abolition must cover every single area of life. Uh, or it's just simply a, uh, another form of picking and choosing and regulating evil. Abolitionism must be full orb. 
in order to abolish the easily recognizable human sacrifice of abortion. Humanism itself is what must be abolished because humanism, or if you pick the ancient name, Moloch worship, where the state collective power group is king, always institutionalizes human sacrifice. The weaker for the stronger for the good of the collective as defined by the ruling class. The humanistic state always demands human sacrifice. And unless this is abolished at the root, you are just pruning the branches of human sacrifice. You are just pruning the branches of the tree of human sacrifice. Furthermore, if as an abolitionist, you support power religion in another area of ethics, the culture will easily spots you out as a hypocrite and tune you out, marginalize you to the level of a Westboro Baptist cult. No matter how many abolitionists you're able to call into one group, the greater effect will always be the same. God will not light the lampstand because he detests unequal weights and a double standard. The culture will remain humanistic and your mythical hybrid Christianity slash executive pagan state vision will not come to pass because we're already past that point. The state never remains a hybrid. It always turns into the full bore pagan state, which demands human sacrifice, which is where we're at today. So having a correct view on abortion alone and trying to push that view into the, into the core ethic of the beast is a futile exercise to say the least. You must stick the sword, which is the word of God, directly into the heart of the beast with zero compromise. To put it a different way, you must abolish the pagan state. But not only the pagan state, you must abolish the pagan church and the pagan family. You see, most abolitionists don't even get the pagan state sphere fully as a target for abolition. They'll have the biblical view on abortion, but they'll hold it as if the human sacrifice of abortion takes place in a vacuum, as if there's only one high place of human sacrifice in America, and its name is abortion. And once it's torn down, human sacrifice in America ceases and God is pleased. They not only fail to target the other high places, they fail to even identify them. The easiest example, which some actually do identify, uh, would be public schools or humanistic incubation centers. Yet it is never put on the same category or in the worldview that must be abolished to abolish abortion. Nevertheless, public education under Moloch is very much a high place of human sacrifice in the culture. And if you remain neutral to it, you will see minds continue to be raised with the false religion of neutrality which is the abortion religion produced into the culture. You will see the very myth of neutrality is all that you need for abortion to be normal. You can oppose it, I can support it, and then we can meet in the middle and settle for regulating it. You see how that works? At best, the Humanistic Incubation Center produces, when fed, the most radical Christians from the American church scene. The best that it produces would be the stand for the flag, kneel for the cross mindset, where King Jesus and Uncle Sam are worshipped together on the same hill of human sacrifice. A hybrid religion of the ethical, judicial, and the executive state, which always boils down to the latter, using Romans 13 is the call to burn incense to Caesar instead of using the whole council of God to demand Caesar to burn incense to King Jesus. And this is simply the most obvious example of the double-minded, truncated view of the modern abolitionists in the most easy sphere of government to recognize idols in, the pagan state. 
We've said nothing about proactive executive lawlessness enforcement, a.k.a. the police, which is part of the worldview that must be abolished to abolish abortion. We have said nothing about pagan state immigration control, which offers a different law for the foreigner than the homeborn, oppressing and sacrificing the weaker vessel of the sojourner in flagrant violation of God's law, which is part of the worldview that must be abolished to abolish abortion. We have not touched on the unequal weights and measures of fiat currency, which will turn from the tinfoil conspiracy sphere to the sphere of human sacrifice quite fast when the celebrity pastor's bank accounts all of a sudden are worth what they're actually worth, squat. We've said nothing about the executive government model in itself, where the pagan state makes and enforces laws with a mind completely detached from the mind of the Bible. And this is considered normative by Christians in the culture, a framework that can be operated in to abolish human sacrifice as if it does not require human sacrifice by enforcing its own lawlessness. Goodness. When the state, the collective, has its own executive will, and that will is is clothed in the language of we the people, it will enforce that will with power on those that rebel for purposes of self and church government. And this, of course, is part of the worldview that must be abolished to abolish abortion. Of course, speaking like this is like speaking a different religion in Chinese uh, to a good number of abolitionists today. Um, If we don't have the state sphere correct, which is the easiest to recognize because it is the most detached from our lives as individuals, Washington, D.C., the federal beast, the Supreme Court, we don't deal with that as individuals every day. You know, there's no way that we're even if we can't identify the idols there where they're all glaring, you know, there's no way we can even be close to weeding out the power of religion, human sacrifice mindset in the closer forms of government, the high places of Moloch erected in church and in family government. And all the spheres approach, and, and this all spheres approach is mandatory to abolish the worldview that must be abolished to abolish abortion, or we will remain. Mark my words: we will remain a minimized sect of radicals blustering in the streets of Jerusalem like the Jewish zealots before the judgment fell on their heads in 70 A.D., screaming in the streets with our signs. Of course, the state is the easiest fear to recognize idolatry, but it is also the hardest to change because it is most removed from our direct influence. Church and family government are harder to recognize the idols, uh, but there are easiest. I mean, the the state is the hardest to change and and the church and the family government are the easiest to change. Therein lies the conundrum. And we're at the point in the process right now where we can't even identify the idols in the state clearly. The easiest part of the process in putting the axe to the root and tearing down all the high places. And we can't even pass the test. Now, you'll see leaders of the so-called Free the States project, which was developed out of a recent, a recent abolitionist campaign to, to elect an abolitionist governor in Oklahoma, openly advocate a deist approach to the Moloch state, saying things like, you don't have to reconstruct society to abolish abortion. I want you to hear this the way God hears this. Translate this. We can leave the other places of human sacrifice standing tall with American flags waving in the air right above them. We can stand for the flag and we can kneel at the cross at each one of them defending their abominable practices of sacrificing the weaker vessel right there for all to see. We can put a Christian veneer on it. Just let's abolish abortion while this is going on. 
God hates that kind of double standard. But you know who else hates that kind of double standard? The liberal college student who just sacrificed her baby to Moloch after rejecting Christianity, citing unjust civil action by Christians towards immigrants as her reason against King Jesus, seeing them chant, build that wall, like communists on a Facebook post that had a Mexican mother being ripped from her children by ICE enforcement agents in the picture in the OP. You know who else hates that kind of double standard? Cats in the inner cities who have to worry about police and streets enforcing the executive state war on drugs to feed the prison industrial complex. Why do all these Christians in the culture mindlessly back the blue? They think. I mean, I know a pastor of a liberal church in Oxnard, California, whose son was executed, executed by police in Oakland. He wasn't a gangbanger, drug dealer, or doing anything socially unacceptable when he was sacrificed to Moloch in his car. Justice hasn't been established for either of them yet. Talking to this liberal pastor, the most insulting part of the process to date has been his interaction with conservative Christian clergy and churchians on this nightmare. The murder allegiance, the pledge allegiance, the pledge allegiance to Moloch in the public schools, stand for the anthem at the football game. Christians were saying this type of stuff to him, to the father of the murdered, uh, murdered black kid in Oakland, uh, his murdered son. This is what this is what they'd say. They'd, they'd say things like, uh, what was your son doing at the time? Or did he obey the cop at all points? You know, the cop wanted to go home too. you know, you know, tragically, I read the report. He fit the description of a gangster murderer on the loose. And the cop was just trying to help, you know, uh, tragedy all the way around. Cops goes home and your son goes to the morgue. Sorry about that. You know, back to blue or else there'll be dead bodies all over the place, though. You know, needless to say, this black liberal pastor is pretty turned off to this day to the American evangelical idea of justice, including the pro-life movement and modern abolitionists would probably fall in that category for him if it was visible enough for him to even recognize it on the scene. Ever wonder why there are so few black folk in the modern abolitionist movement today? I mean, look at the pictures of the gathering, missions, hardly any blacks. It must be their fault, right? You know, what's wrong? They don't know justice when they see it. Why are there so many more black abolitionists of black chattel slavery than human than abolitionists of human abortion, which targets blacks for sacrifice at a far greater rate than any other ethnic group and was established in our culture to eradicate blacks? This is true. I mean, could it be the fact that modern abolitionists think black chattel slavery has been abolished while supporting or remaining neutral to the prison industrial complex and the executive state mob that keeps it intact? Who guards the murder mills? That's a good point my wife made right there in the comment section. When we go to the murder mill, who guards them? Who is, that, who is the Gestapo outside of the murder mill? <sighs> Look, could it be that the reason why there aren't more black abolitionists is because we're fairly neutral in the face of the religion of death uh, that feeds the prison industrial complex where one in three blacks will live at their point at, at one point in their life while the Moloch state breeds their kids. It is the religion of death, the worldview that must be abolished to abolish human sacrifice. It's the truncated view of the abolitionist is to blame. For all these examples, Deuteronomy 4 is very clear. When the law of God is instituted and in action, the people say, wow, what a wise and understanding people. What a view of justice this is. Are we seeing that Deuteronomy type 4 uh, reaction? Or are we just standing out there with our signs with a correct view in one area of life, in one sin specifically, the, the lowest hanging that you could even imagine, the murder of babies in the middle of their mother? Goodness. 
goodness, it is the religion of death. We could go on for years on these examples without stopping, and, and we haven't even left the sphere of civil government, the pagan state, to realize that the defy tyrant's cry of modern abolitionists is at best defy some tyrants. And this is in the, this is in the sphere that we should all agree on. It's defy some tyrants in this sphere. It's not defy all tyrants. It's defy the most low-hanging, obvious tyrants, but support the other tyrants, especially the ones sacrificing the weaker vessels that we don't care quite as much about. Uh, you know, we want their help to defy the Supreme Court and establish some justice for some weaker vessels that are approved by the movers of the movement. For the rest of the weaker vessels, I'll tell you what, the time for your justice is later, sometime in the mythical future when we can reconstruct a society along the ethical judicial line. For now, that time apparently is unnecessary. For that time, that time is in the future. For now, that time is in the future. For now, it's power religion for them, just like it's power religion for the 19-week-old baby in a state that just passed a pain-capable bill. It's power religion for that poor Mexican, a Christian Mexican family who was ripped apart in Mexico, and the mother is now a sex slave in Juarez because they couldn't make it past the Gestapo. The time for justice for them is later. Just like that 19-week-old baby. It's power religion for that black liberal pastor's son who was executed by the road pirates because he fit that description. It is power religion. And the time for justice for these specific weaker vessels is later, sometime in the mythical future. Just like that 19-week-old baby in Texas. Sorry about that. Land of the free. Home of the slaves. And we still aren't out of the sphere of the pagan state. And God still hates a double standard and false scales are not good. Now, let's take a look at the pagan church and the pagan family. These spheres are easiest to smash idols in, but harder to recognize the idols. It's where we actually have spent the majority of our time in Reconstructionist Radio identifying idols for destruction. And it's why us, little old us, little old Decon Radio, with under 2K likes on Facebook, gets so much attention and so much ire and is so much targeted by the power, so targeted by the power religionists uh, in the abolitionist movement, so-called uh, reform Christian circles, yada, 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 all that, right? Uh, power religion is having a field day in the pagan church and in the pagan family spheres as well as in the pagan state. And we are doing our best to address it by seeding the culture with the religion of ethics in these spheres. The idea that ordination papers and appointed ecclesiastical positions are the legitimate fountainheads of authority, that's power religion. Ethics and service is the only foundation for true authority in Christ's church. It does not come from both, as if the ontology of the ordination certificate is good enough to start with, and then if the church officer is shown over time to be unethical, then they lose their authority. Uh, you know, that is a recipe for the time for justice is later, and is at the root of the abuses that we have in our churchian landscape. You don't require membership to a religious club under appointed ecclesiastical rulers as a prerequisite for being a Christian in the culture. It's a recipe for tyranny. This tyrant 
also must be defied, defy all tyrants, as our own brother Bo Marinoff has done an excellent job laying out the case in his three-part series and in one holy local church, the ghettoization of Protestantism, or I want to say it like Bo, Protestantism, Protest, how do you, Protestantism, <laughs> the ghettoization of Protestantism, <laughs> the ghetto, <laughs> what up, Bo, uh, and in one lo- local holy church, the ghettoization of Protestantism, uh, which is available on audio at Reconstructionist Radio. It is required reading or listening, if you will. Power religion of ecclesiastical position paper ontology must be abolished as part of the worldview that must be abolished to abolish human sacrifice. We are not imbeciles perpetually under the care of elders, but idol smashers under King Jesus, the priesthood of all believers, the warrior bride of Christ. There is no ontologically defined pyramid of power within the bride of Christ. Let me say that a different way. So there's no ontologically defined power hierarchy within the priesthood of all believers. Some of the priesthood isn't more equal than the other. Up to this point, some abolitionists have this right in snippets, and many have it wrong, and the vast majority simply believe that it is not an issue central to abolishing the worldview that must be abolished to abolish abortion. In that, they are dead wrong. You will never, and I mean never, defy tyrants in the state unless you defy tyrants in the church. And if you think tyrants in the church only exist in the big building type of churches and not in the house churches, you're going to be dead wrong on that. Nevertheless, a religion of neutrality is the main position of the modern abolitionist movement here, which is more deadly than anything, allowing actual ecclesiastical tyrants to lead in the abolitionist movement when they themselves represent one of the primary idols that must be smashed. Check out why it's a mockery of Joe Salant on that uh, video. <laughs> one of them, one of these ecclesiastical tyrants, all right, who has been very, very approving of the latest trends of acquiescence to power religion in the modern, in the movement today. Uh, you know, actually said to a female abolitionist, and we covered this in the last episode, but actually said to a female abolitionist on a public platform, this is what he said, that she must respect him and show him deference because of his station in life as a man and a pastor. Uh, you know, I'm not making this up. You know, yet this tyrant is not only undefied, he's free to run his mouth unchecked with power religionist bluster in the abolitionist groups, man. I mean, let me be perfectly 100% clear. Let me be what, let Joe Salant, let your boy, not pastor, I'll be, you know, for, for you power religionists out here, let me make it simple for you. My name is Dr. Pastor Joe Salant the first, and here's a bit of truth for you today. You know what I mean? You will never take that mindset into battle in the culture and abolish abortion. You probably couldn't even get any regulations of baby murder accomplished with that. I mean, the man and the pastor power position will get you exactly jack squat, except blustering in the suite in the streets like a Westboro uh, zealot, uh, yelling at uh, uh, city council meetings at people who just wish your two minutes is up and things like that. That's what that kind of mindset will get you. I advise being as far on the other side of what Whatever that is, as possible, which is what we try to do at Recon Radio. And to tell you what, it really shouldn't be all that difficult. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, there it is, accepted by many abolitionists in the modern movement as normative biblical Christianity. Man, and a pastor. I mean, that is the weird stuff. Wow. 
in, in regard in regard to in regard to the the function of the church, the function as as just an idol smash idol smashing smashing entity, delivering it from kind of pagan presuppositions. This is what uh, this is what R. J. Rush Dooney uh, had to say, uh, writing of the things that church throughout time had absorbed from paganism. At the same time, however, some things were absorbed, i.e., Neoplatonism, Aristotelianism, Stoicism, asceticism, and the like. Borrowing from Rome was an organization, and borrow, an important borrowing from Rome was organization and bureaucratization. He then continues to point out uh, what the early church was in contrast. Here's Rush Dooney. The church was, a, in a very real sense, a continuation of the synagogue. And the Greek text of James 2.2, the word translated as assembly is actually synagogue. The church, so synagogue model, not temple model, community, not top down, right? The church, unlike the synagogue, was not only a Hebraic organization, but it was essentially an organic body, a corporation, the body of Christ. Now, the members of the body, i.e. hands, feet, etc., they do not hold offices. They have functions. The words translated as office in the New Testament make this clear. For Romans 1.13, 1 Timothy 3.10, 3.13, the word used is diakona in Romans and diaconio in Timothy. The word in English is, trans, is deacon and it means servant, service, and it refers to function. In Romans 12.4, office in the Greek is a praxis. It's a function. It's something that we do to take the land. For Timothy 3.1, it is episcopate, and its meaning is supervision or inspection to give help and relief. In Hebrews 7.5, the reference is to the Old Testament priesthood and refers to the sacerdotal function. Thus, what we call church offices are in reality functions of the body of Christ in this world. The fact is very important. Offices lead to bureaucracy in a ruling class and meetings in the senior pastor's office and donuts and coffee for the rulers and, and, and then kind of treating everybody in the congregation like animals. I recently saw a quote, man. I, I saw this. I'm, I'm not going to expose this dude because I think this dude's a good dude, man. But I, I saw a quote on Facebook and a Facebook post where this guy, he's a pastor. He, he actually referred, he actually referred to like, you know, the job of a church leader as like herding animals. It was like, you know, you got to clean up a lot of poop in the barn. I was like, wow. And that's, that's like the modern seminary model. You know, that's just acceptable language. Anyway, that's offices, bureaucracy, ruling class, uh, you know, clergy, laity. Be very, 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 very wary of that clergy, laity distinction, because usually that's an idol set for destruction. In the early church offices, in the early church, we got no evidence of what is commonplace today. Regular stated bureaucratic meetings of presbytery, synods, councils, bishop, man, pastor. Instead, we have, I added the man and the pastor part, inappropriate. Instead, instead of... <clears throat> Instead of beginning with the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15, the meetings were called to resolve a problem or met a need. They were functional meetings, not organizational. They were aspects of the life of the body, not a bureaucratic organization. They exercised no coercive power, but they did formulate questions and answers pertaining to faith and morals carefully and precisely. This is R.J. Rush doing now. 
If the church is indeed the body of Christ, we must function as if it is alive. This is essential to abolishing human sacrifice. A dead church is a non-functioning church. It is a salt which has lost its savor and it is fit only to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. And this is a grim possibility in our time. We cannot say, Rush Dooney says, that in all places the church today is dead, but in too many areas it is badly arthritic and feeble. Christ, the Lord of life, life commands us, saying, I say unto thee, arise. As uh, R.J. Rush Dooney uh, in a position paper number 97, and we do have that on Reconstructions Radio as well. So moving on from the, the defying church tyrants, defying the ecclesiastical tyrants and church government, uh, on to power, religion, and the family. How to defy the family beast? We like to talk about defying the federal beast. What about the family beast? This is the easiest to change. This is the easiest to defy. I mean, it's the easiest to change. It's the easiest to change, but it's the hardest to identify because it's right under our noses. Oftentimes, we are that very beast that needs to be defied. Besides individual governments, and I'll do a talk on that later. But this is also, it's, it's just the hardest to spot. At the uh, conclusion of our, uh, this is also going to be the conclusion of our talk today. I mean, we've been raising against the pa- patriarchalist power religion garbage very recently and up to this point. You know, see how this all fits together. If you believe that the right equipment in the pants and the correct placement on the family tree grants you biblical authority and the ethics and service are only complementary in this regard, then you, friend, are watering the tree of human sacrifice. If the ethics of God's law are not the only foundation for power in the family, then you are a power religionist at the most fundamental level of government in society. You simply cannot be any good for the cause of defying tyrants in any other spheres. If you believe with John Knox that women are unequally created in the image of God, and that they are more prone to deception than men, more spiritually feeble than men, would require a miracle to do what a man could do without a miracle in government. And, and that man, by virtue of his testicles and his penis, is the boss of all spheres of government that we have discussed. Then you, then you, you are part of the worldview that must be abolished to abolish human sacrifice. You must repent. Metanoia must change the mind on that. I understand that it's tough. I understand that there's deep-seated stuff here for centuries. I understand that Enlightenment paganism has revived patriarchalism in a way that makes it very, very acceptable today in the modern church scene. But it doesn't make it any less of a stumbling block to abolishing abortion if we put up with the family tyrant, basically because he has his position. You're a stumbling block to the culture receiving the message of abolition of human sacrifice because you are a power religionist. And our secular culture is already opposing this form of power religion as as despicable, and yet you cling to it. And Deuteronomy 4 says that the culture is going to look at the people with God's wisdom and God's law and say, what a wise people that is. And yet they're further along in this sphere. In many places of this fear. That is crazy. That is crazy. The culture is already, it's a layup for us. It's, it's a take the ball, easy too. But instead, it's like we take the ball and throw it into the other opponent's goal. Right? We, we, we do an alley-oop on the other opponent's goal. Bam! 
Straight up. This one was just straight given to us. All we have to do is be diligent, be humble, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, and see it and identify this idol for destruction. Yet we cling to it, knuckle-dragging the worldview of the 8th century into the current fight as biblical and conservative. But look what you're conserving, enlightened paganism and branding it to the horror as biblical Christianity. Muslim ideas about modesty that set the standard for a woman's dress as the biggest pervert in the room gets to decide what the women wear. So it's like, yeah, Johnny has a lust problem, Christina. Please don't wear that tank top. You know, it seems like something more out of the movie Borat, you know, than, than, than something we... I mean, you kidding me? Seriously, don't wear that or Cousin Bilo will break his cage. You know, I mean, seriously, seriously. I, the, 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 the tyranny of the weaker brother modesty issue, uh, you know, this is something I didn't even grasp this, you know, into, into deep into this whole kill the lizard debate. I was like, oh, wow, that's, you know, I, I, had, I had, I guess, bad ideas about modesty myself that weren't kind of bib. I thought it was related to clothes, too. I still didn't get it. It was like this. I mean, are you serious? Like, I was, I was told it's like between burka and bikini is like where we need to be. Like, I, are you, there's a scale like that? Like, the Muslims are over here with the burkas. We're right here. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, man. Serious? Like, that's the, that is the stuff we cannot be dragging into the fight. I mean, does anybody need to say, we need to distance ourselves as far as possible from that nonsense. Uh, you know, but there it is. Really, the majority position amongst abolitionists, you know, who at the same time think they'll take the message of a watch out for below in our house church, you know, to the gates of hell and abolish abortion, aiming it at the women going into uh, going in to murder their kids. You know, uh, this is weird stuff indeed. This is this is the weird stuff indeed, you know, and it's held by otherwise really, really like smart people, too. You know, um, yeah, it's 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 uh, it ain't the, it's not the business. It ain't. It ain't what it ain't. We are not taking that into the fight and, uh, you know, convincing, you know, the liberal college student that, hey, this is the you know, this is justice. Like, are you going to be highballing me in your church then, son? You know, what I mean? like, well, possibly if you wear that, you know, like, goodness, goodness, good Lord. You know, defy the family tyrant. I, you know, I'm, I'm, this stuff right here. I mean, this one actually, the modesty thing crosses from church into, you know, this is church, family, government, and, and you know, both of these spheres, and, and so on and so forth. Look, man, if you, friend, are on the wrong side of this stuff, you know, you might scream defy tyrants, but you are the first tyrant indeed that needs to be defied. If we are to defy tyrants, we must defy all tyrants. Physical characteristics are a very, very poor standard for authority in a world with sin in it. Allowing for authority based on them in any sphere of government is a recipe for tyranny. You'll end up saying things like, uh, this tyranny should be permitted for a time. You know, the time for justice is later. I recently ran across today on a Facebook post, uh, John Piper in a Q&A. Where this is what he literally says. He says a woman should endure a smack in the face and then go to the church later for help. I mean, can you believe that? Endure a smack in the face. You know, uh, it's just, uh, you know, I think Joe Biden said that too, the old the vice president. Uh, 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 is not your garden variety slap in the face. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> But serious, this is it. This is this is what this is. This is the mindset that must be abolished to abolish human sacrifice. Weaker vessel, if he's only if he's only a little bit, you know, if he's only verbally abusive to you, 
that's something you should bear and you should tolerate for a while. You know, for a season, he says, for a season, just tolerate that. The time for your justice is later, sometime in the mythical future. You carry that justice, you carry that message into the culture, and you think by having a radical view on abortion that you're going to abolish anything? You are fooling yourself. You are just going to be that zealot that is just screaming in the streets with their signs until the judgment fell in 70 AD. We're just going to be that mob of zealots running around with our signs instead of affecting real change. Because if the time for justice is later for some victims, then it's later for all victims in the myth- in the mythical future. If we are telling the wife to submit to ontological power tree in her household, we might as well be- tell babies to submit to their fate too as well. This, my friends, is the majority position in the modern abolitionist movement. It's not defy all tyrants. It's defy some tyrants. Defy tyrants with a little asterisk on it right there. You want true authority? Be on the right side of the ethical judicial line with King Jesus, who has all authority. And go, therefore, in covenant faithfulness. There are only two kinds of people in this world, covenant breakers and covenant keepers. And God does not grant any authority to breakers based on DNA or bureaucratic paperwork. The only and all authority is ethical authority. Defy all Tyrants. This has been a War Room production. Your boy Joe Salant. Blessing to y'all. We got some cool stuff coming up this week. Got some awesome monstrous regiment regiment content. We have a uh, a secret video to drop on y'all. Uh, that may be about a song, maybe not. It might have some, what something or other, whatever. Also, definitely make sure to check out if you want an education. Make sure to check out the Devoted Word podcast by my man Joel McDermott over there at American Vision. Just a fire episode on the Imago Day was just posted on the image of God. Uh, was just uh, was just posted fire episode. Go to the Devoted Word podcast. Get yourself some meat right there off of that plate. We anticipate another axe to the root dropping very soon. My man Bojadar Marinoff is in the kitchen. Russell Treywick cooking up some fire down there in Sweeney, Texas. Jason Garwood cooking up some fire over there in Virginia. You know, we got the whole lineup that's just putting in work. But I want to also give a lot of props to all the people behind the scenes that really have the hard job, that really have the real job, the grinding job. It's very easy to say that you have fruit by speaking into a camera and things like that and to, and to you know, see your name up there in the lights and to Google your name and see all this stuff that you did and all that and all these people that you so-called influence and all these meetings that you've had. But I want to give a real shout out to the real warriors at Recon Radio in the family or just the real warriors, everyone re- within the sound of my voice that's working behind the scenes that's holding the camera that's doing the editing behind the scenes as well that's uh that that's praying that's that's really doing the stuff that they that they don't see their name in lights about where it's really they don't even get a thank you most of the time it's mostly like hey dustin here's the freaking episode go ahead and post it for tuesday you know it's it's not oh man like dang what happens if dustin wasn't there you know like uh, you know dustin rainham uh kate robinson i mean she's been holding the camera 
for a long time. She's got fire in front of the mic too, but she's spent most of her time behind the camera in the abolitionist movement, getting trampled on by everybody else for the props. Shout out to my sister, Kate Robinson. All the, gosh, she's talented. You need to see, you need pictures, anything like that. You know, hit my sister up. You need video, anything like that. Hit my sister up. Uh, you know, uh, props to da- uh, uh, Daniel Caleb Bussey for the Firefall video, man. That was just absolute flames. You know, you brought that song to life. You gave it to the people. You know, straight up. Like, I get a lot of props for that song. Really, nobody heard that song until you put it on the scene with the video. Props to the people that are working behind the scenes. Props to the toilet cleaning type of people, the ones who are really exercising authority through service. When we get into the kingdom of God in its fullness, we may find that y'all are closer to the seat of the table than us with this microphone right here. Much love, much love to all of y'all behind the scenes. I know I forgot a lot of people that do the behind the scenes work. Uh, Also, big, 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 Big thing on the on the horizon, huge happening at Reconstructionist Radio. My man Carrie Appling uh, is going to be doing a podcast called "Man at the Gates." Man at the Gates, and it's about uh, uh, you know uh, the the justice. It's about righteousness and justice established at the gates of the city, and really kind of the gates of the city is metaphorical for the spheres of life that we talked about today. You know, during this podcast right here. So make sure and Carrie brings flames, man. Like this guy right here has a very clear way of speaking. He, he, he talks to, he's like, you know, he's like the, he's like the friendly professor that never wanted you to call him like doctor, you know, in college or whatever. He's like, Oh yeah, just call me Carrie. You know, no, I don't, none of that. Oh, I'm not professor. Just not, hey, professor Appling. No, just Carrie. He's like that kind of guy, but he brings the absolute 100% fire man at the gates. Make sure that that is in your podcast catcher as soon as it releases. We'll be talking about that a lot later. Um, of course, you know, Monstrous Regiment, you know, they're, they're the stars on the scene. Ain't nobody compete, competing with that right now. The flame that they're bringing is, is it's stuff that ain't nobody ever heard before. And uh, they got their, you know, high-heeled boot on the neck of power religionists. Big shout to the whole Monstrous, uh, Monstrous Regiment crew and all that. Look forward also to for some poetry on Reconstructionist Radio from Rebecca Robinson. Those right there are the, announcement of, are the announcements for today. If I forgot... Uh, anything in the announcements you have about 30 seconds before I wrap this thing up. It's been a war room production. Defy all tyrants, defy the state tyrants, defy the family tyrants, defy the ecclesiastical tyrants, defy that tyrant that's in your own life, defy the tyrants and individual government. That's a separate talk altogether. It has been an honor for y'all to join with me today. And, oh, sorry about that. Last thing, we are also in Espanol. You're going to be able to press two for Espanol and Reconstructionist Radio. For all the Spanish speakers out there, uh, Reconstructionist Radio in Espanol have, has launched, like the Facebook page, we're going to have a podcast on that with some fabulous hosts, Fabulous host coming in, Arthur Diaz, my man got the flames, uh, names that are kind of just slipping my mind right now because I've been babbling at you for the past hour. You can insult me about that later. Sorry about that, fam. And that has been it. Defy every single tyrant, not defy some tyrants, because God hates a double standard and unjust scales. They ain't good. Thank you for joining us in the war room. Please enjoy the nation's rage, Psalm 2. 
by my soul among lions. Why do the nations rage? your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and his kingdom.